Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of Acts, chapter 3. Here's Pastor Ryan. So turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. We'll be beginning in verse 20 this morning. That's Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 20. And Father, we thank you again this morning for your goodness in our life. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that his blood cleanses us of all of our inequities. On the third day, you raised him from the dead to justify us from our sins. And he's at your right hand interceding for us even now. Lord, you know the hearts of your people this morning. You know the hearts of everyone who is in this room this morning. You know our hardships. You know our feelings, our emotions, where we're at. The good and the bad and the ugly. All of it you know. Lord, may we this morning know how much you love us. And may you meet us where we're at today. Pour out your grace. Guide us by your Spirit. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. And so the book of Acts, as you know, is the history of the church. How it was born. What took place. And in our story, the Lord is adding to the church daily those who would be saved. And we saw that in how Peter and John went to the temple there in Jerusalem at the hour of prayer, the third hour of prayer. And as they were walking in past the gate beautiful, there was a man who was crippled from birth who they would place there to ask for alms, for money, as the worshipers went to the temple. And fixing his eyes on Peter and John, Peter told them, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he pulled him up by his right hand. And this man who was crippled his whole life began to walk. And he was so joyful, he was so amazed and blessed that he leaped for joy, praising God. And he walked into the temple with Peter and John. Just completely changed man, glorifying God. And the worshipers saw this man, and they knew it was that same man that for a long time would beg there at the gate. They knew him. They knew that this was the, this was the man who was crippled, who, who asked for alms. They saw him, and they marveled. Just the way you and I would be blown away, our minds would be so tripped out, if you and I knew somebody who from birth could not walk. But then all of a sudden you saw them walking, It'll, it would blow your mind. And so that's the scene at the temple. And people are gathering around Peter and John. They're on the east side of the temple, the porch called Solomon. And he's there and all the people are gathering around. And when Peter saw the people gathering, he began to preach Jesus to them. He preached the Lord to them. And here he is at the heart of the Jewish religion, the temple. And, and it's the Lord's people, according to the flesh. It's, it's the Israelites. And he begins his sermon by saying, men of Israel. Addresses them as Israelites because that's who they are. That's who he's preaching to, the Jew first, then to the Greek. I'm reminded of the Lord when he told the disciples, when he sent them out to go preach. In Matthew 10, he said to them, don't go in the way of the Gentiles, but go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was 
The Israelite who held the oracles of God, who, who gave us the Ten Commandments, who kept care of the law throughout the centuries. And so their Messiah, Jesus, told the disciples, go to the Jew first. And so in the book of Acts, that's what we see. We see him going to the Hebrews first, the Jews first. Jesus's people according to the flesh. Mary's people, Peter, James, and John, their people according to the flesh. The gospel goes to them first. But then we see within the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts that it slowly transitions to the Gentiles because it was God's uh, purpose all along that salvation will go to the whole world, not just to his people according to the flesh. But that's how he addressed them. And so we're right in the middle of Peter's sermon to them. And he explained to them that Jesus is the servant of Yahweh, that he was sent by God, the Messiah, spoken to by the fathers and the prophets. And he also pointed them that they were guilty, that it was by their hands that they gave him up over to Pilate and and had a murderer released to them instead. And so he let them know know that it was their sins, it was their doing, their guilt, and that God raised Jesus from the dead, though. In spite of them handing him over, yet God raised him from the dead. And it was by faith in the name of Jesus Christ that the crippled man that they see before them has been made whole, has been made perfect, has been made to be in his sound mind. Just a, a beautiful, the reality of the gospel. They were guilty crucifying him. But the Bible teaches that he died for all of our sins. It wasn't just they who did it. It was the Lord who laid down his life that he might take it up again. No one takes my life, Jesus said, but I lay it down. They were just instruments, but they represented all of the world. They represented mankind in their sins. And so he lets them know their guilt. But then Peter gives them hope. And that's the gospel. The gospel is hopeful. It's good news. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are responsible for the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But there's hope. And the hope is that if they repent, if they repent and if they are converted to Jesus Christ, they shall have times of refreshing. And that's what he said to them. He said, repent in verse 19, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And that is still the gospel today, that if a person wants to be saved, if a person wants to go to heaven, they must acknowledge that they're guilty of the blood of Jesus Christ and repent. Repent means to change. Change in your philosophy, in your faith, that Christ is God, that he died for you and you need his redemption. You need to believe in him. And without him, your sins remain. And that's basically what he's saying. He's preaching the gospel. It's the same today. Mankind must repent and surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to believe in Him, for even the devils believe. But we must follow the Lord. The proof of our faith is that we follow Jesus Christ. Don't let the devil or anyone deceive you in believing that just because you believe that He is and that He exists and that He is God, that that alone is going to save you. You must repent of being Lord of your own life and allow Jesus Christ to be king of your life. There is no other. For years, no one had to tell me that Jesus was God before I came to know Jesus Christ. When I was lost in my sins, I knew that Jesus was God, and I also knew that I would not have that man be Lord of my life. I knew that. 
No one had to tell me, do you know that Jesus is God? I knew that he was God. I willingly chose, with all due respect, I, I tried not to disrespect him at all. I wasn't that kind of guy. I just wasn't going to follow him. I wanted to do my own thing. So then I had no salvation, even though I believed that Jesus was God. I had no salvation because I would not bend the knee. I would not repent. I still wanted a party. I still wanted to live an immoral life. So then I had no salvation. I was lost. And the beautiful thing about Peter's sermon is that he said you crucified him or you handed him over to Pilate, but you did it in ignorance. In ignorance. So yeah, I was in ignorance too. And many of us were in ignorance living our lives for ourselves, whatever we wanted to do, what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear, how I'm going to live. I hadn't, it had nothing to do with God. It's whatever I felt was right in my own eyes, whatever I felt was right in my own heart. As long as I'm a quote unquote good person. And this is the philosophy of the world today. As long as I'm a good person, I'm good. I should enter in. No, 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 no. There aren't no good people. That's what the gospel says. There are none. There are people who bend the knee to Christ and there's people who don't. And really, God sees the world in those two ways. Those who believe on my son unto salvation. That means they put their trust in him. That means they obey him. And those who do not. But he gives them hope. Just repent. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've said, no matter what hurts you've done, no matter what hurts have been done to you, no matter how messed up this world is, here's the beautiful thing. God will wipe it all away. He loves us so much. He doesn't care. He desires so long that we be his children, that you be his little girl and his little boy. And he wants to love and bless and guide us through life. Yes, with sufferings and persecutions and hardships, but they can't compare to the glorious work of love that he has given each and every one of us. Plus eternal life. My goodness, it's what a deal. How many times have we looked in the mirror before we came to know Christ and say, man, I'm empty. I, th- I have the things that I thought would make me satisfied and happy and blessed. I- I- I'm more hopeless than ever. The thing about spending the night somewhere else is you get to look at a mirror that you're not used to looking at. We can get used to the mirror in our homes. I look bad, but not that bad. And you go to a different mirror, and it's like, oh my goodness, look at these imperfections. That's what the Word of God does. It just, when we're sincere with God, it just reveals new imperfections. And I knew back then, in my ignorance, that I was unsatisfied, that I was hopeless, that I hated the world, hated life, I hated people, and I thought God hated me. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence. Those are beautiful words, beautiful words. Can you just picture what the Lord is saying to our hearts? Just repent, just convert your will to His, and you're going to have times of No longer are you going to be living your life on the basis of what other people feel or think about you. No more are you going to be living your life uh, in bondage to what people think or feel about you. I'm in bondage because mom didn't love me. Dad didn't love me. The kids don't love me. The grandchildren don't love me. So and so. But God loves you. And that's who we belong to. But the Lord would say, just repent. Be converted. And times of refreshing will come. Verse 20, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before. Jesus was preached to them before. Before he was crucified, the Lord himself preached about himself. They rejected Jesus prior to his crucifixion. They rejected Jesus after his crucifixion. And now Peter here is preaching 
post-resurrection. Will they accept him now that he's been resurrected and he's at the right hand of the Father? As you know, throughout history, the Israelites, the Jews, have been looking and longing for their Messiah. And when Jesus came and died on the cross and rose on the third day, they had hoped that it would be him that would give them salvation from the Roman oppressors, that the kingdom of Israel would be restored there and then. Remember the road to Emmaus, the two disciples that Jesus met? We were hoping, he was, he's dead, but we were hoping that he'd be the one to restore Israel. So you ask the Jews there, and they're thinking, well, Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah, or else, or else the Romans would be out of here. The Roman Empire would be out of here if he was the Messiah. Today, if you ask the Jews, uh, some religious Jews, if you ask them why they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah, they'll say, because he hasn't restored our temple. And so they wail and they cry by the wailing wall, because they feel their Messiah will give them back their temple our Bibles teaches us that that's far from the truth. It's not the Messiah. It's a false Messiah that's going to come, which is the Antichrist. But see, Jesus, Peter's preaching to them, this Jesus, if you repent and are converted, he will send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before. He will send him. The Messiah that, that you Israelites are waiting for, he will send him. Not to establish the kingdom right away, but to establish your hearts. To have your inequities removed because that is the first goal of the Messiah, the Mashiach. His goal is not to make your life awesome and fix all your our little problems and, and, and oh, get the Romans out of here. And oh, you know, no, 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 no. In God's estimation, he needs to remove inequity from our hearts. All the other stuff's going to be added later. He is going to establish his kingdom, no doubt, when he comes back. But that's what he's saying here in verse 21. Whom heaven must receive. Heaven received Jesus. Send it on high. Whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. Which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. All things are going to be restored one day. They are. But not just yet. We're waiting. For the Lord to come back for his church. We'll talk more about that next week. But he is going to restore all things. But not just yet. We pray that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But his kingdom is not going to happen yet. Not until he comes back. And then he says, for Moses. For Moses in verse 22. Truly said to the fathers. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Peter quotes here Moses from Deuteronomy 18. He's taking the Israelites back to their scriptures, to their texts, to their Torah. He's taking them back. Moses, all of them respect Moses. Moses even said that the Messiah would come, that he would be raised up from amongst your brethren. Jesus also is part of the 12 tribes of Israel. And his tribe is what? Come on, Judah. Who said that? Blanca, Blanca. She's right, Judah. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Moses was right. God raised up from amongst the brethren, the Israelites, Jesus from the tribe of Judah. Moses said, him you shall hear. Him you shall hear. 
It's the same message today of the gospel. Where are you today? Where am I? Are we those who hear the voice of the Lord and do it? Which it goes hand in hand. There are many who hear, but there are few who listen. I would say those who listen are those who respond to the word. We don't just want to hear, we want to listen. And we want to do what he says. And so from amongst them, him you shall hear in all things. Whatever he says to you, whatever Jesus says, do what he says. Do what Jesus said. Christianity is very simple to follow. You just follow what the Lord says. Read your scriptures. Whatever Jesus tells you, that do and you shall be blessed. Blessed are those who hear these sayings of mine, Jesus said, and does them. He will, I will liken him to a man who built his house on a rock. Your, your life may be shaky right now, unstable right now. You want to firm it up? Listen to what Jesus says. Do what he says. And it shall be, in verse 23, that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. My goodness. I don't think I've ever heard any verse like that on, on the television from the preachers on TV. I mean, that's serious judgment right there. God will raise up, Moses said, someone like me. Moses was a deliverer. He delivered his people from out of Israel, right? But he also was judge. He judged the people night and day. Remember, his father-in-law said, man, you got to get some guys to help you. There's a million and a half people out here. Moses was a deliverer. Moses was judge. Jesus, Messiah, the Son of God. He came to deliver us from our sins, yes, but He's also coming to judge. Bible says, kiss the Son lest He be angry. He's so gracious, He's so kind, He's so loving, but He's also going to come back and judge. And Moses prophesied, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet, I mean, the soul of man, in, your, in the deepest part of man, if you will not hear, if you would not adhere, to Jesus Christ, then you shall be destroyed. But I got good news. You did it in ignorance. You did it in unbelief. Repent, therefore. Be converted. And times of refreshing will come upon you. That's the good news. It's good because there's some really bad news. The bad news is Jesus didn't come to condemn. The world's already condemned. He came to save. So there's dead people in the world, and Jesus came to save them. He's, he, you don't have to kill someone that's already dead. We were already dead in our trespasses. He came, right? You don't beat a dead horse. It's dead already. He didn't come to beat up. He came to save. But if we reject in the deepness of our soul, reject his kingship, then we're still dead and we die in our sins. And how many people are going to be made to bend before Christ before they go to hell and realize, my goodness, I traded my salvation for a crust of bread, for toast, Toast. I gave it all up because I had to have that toy, my own will, whatever it is, that sin. Verse 24, yes. And all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. Now, mind you, he, he speaks of even Samuel. Samuel, First and Second Samuel, right? After the judges, he came during the time of the anointing of King Saul, the first king, the monarchy there in, in Israel, in King David, Samuel came. But after Moses came Joshua. So when he said to them that the Lord's going to raise up from among you a prophet, 
from amongst your brethren. He wasn't talking about Joshua, because Samuel even spoke of this one who would come. Hear him. Hear him. All speaking about Jesus. Verse 25. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Quoting Genesis, when the Lord told Abraham, in your seed, not seeds, plural, in your seed, in the one who is from, from your line, one would be born, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would come and save their, his people from their sins. And so he says to them, in verse 26, to you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in the turning away every one of you from your inequity. I mean, he says to, to them, his countrymen, you're my, you know, Israelites, men of Israel, you're sons of the prophet and the fathers, right? According to the flesh, they are. And I love just how he's, you know, you should know this stuff almost, you know, like, this is you, this is your heritage. You're sons of the prophets, you're sons of the father. God promised Abraham your father, that from his seed all the nations of the world shall be blessed. Just kind of pulling on their heritage here. Their background here. Don't you know, this is, you know, when you go to Israel and you see the devotion, the religion, you can't but think, my goodness, these are the Lord's people according to the flesh. Don't they see they read the fathers, they read the prophets, don't they see that it's Jesus, that he's the lamb, that he's a lamb of God, he's the Passover lamb? Don't they see it? And he's just preaching up a storm, a beautiful sermon. But Paul would go on to tell us in Romans 9, that just because according to the flesh you're related, that doesn't make you a true son of Abraham. But those who believe in Jesus Christ are true sons of Abraham. In Romans chapter 9, verse 6 through 8, Paul says, But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect, for they are not all Israel who are Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called. That is, those who are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. So to be a true child of Abraham is to be one who truly believes in Jesus Christ as Lord. Just like Isaac, just like he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the children that believed in God and whose children we are because we believe in God. And so to be a true child of God is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith and, and adherence to his lordship. That makes you and I a true child of God. But Peter refers to the crowd. You're children of, you guys are sons of the prophets and of the covenant of the fathers. You guys are sons. Paul tells us you're really sons if you believe in Jesus Christ. In other words, not all Israel is, is truly Israel. Not all children are truly children, and not all those who say they're Christians are truly Christians. Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Not everyone who just claims they're a Christian is a Christian, but those who have faith in Jesus Christ that leads to conversion, that leads to following him as Lord and Savior. Does that make sense? The question today is, are we all sons here? The beautiful thing about the Bible is that it tells us God loves us and that he has chosen us, that he loves us as children. If we would have them, if we would have them, God desires to adopt us. He takes those who are in solitary and he places them in families. He's the God of the fatherless. And my goodness, you can have 10 fathers and you're still fatherless without God. You don't truly become, uh, you know, one who has a father until you truly bend the knee to Jesus Christ. Then you truly realize and understand what it's like to be a child of God. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Cherubim, above.